Great. So why don't you welcome back Dr. Rick Amato. If we're going to make some noise, let's make some noise for those boys who they were singing about. Because I got a little bit of clout, but it's not with anybody down here. And I see you smiling because I'm freestyling. I'm going to get going. I'm going to be flowing. Don't think I'm too... Don't think I'm too old to lay down a palm. I can drop one here, I can drop a bomb. But what I want you to know is the one we need to be clapping for and praising is the only one who from the dead will us be raising. Let's give it up for Yeshua, for him. Yes, glory to Yeshua. Come on, somebody, give him glory. Yeshua, yes. Yes. Glory to you, Yeshua. Glory to your name. We worship you alone and declare that you alone are everything. In you and by you and through you, all things are held together. We give you this moment, this hour, this final act of worship as we approach your word. And as we do, I declare that I am nothing. And you, Holy Spirit, are everything. The only request I have of you is for fruit, lasting fruit, so that when we die, or when you come again, we will have all have listened right and done right, the next right thing, seizing the sacred moment, which is now, as we break the bread of life, your word. As I came here to Liberty University, I tried to determine what I would say. I don't want to be one of those mean preachers because I know what a lot of you are going through. You've just come back from spring break. This is the final push, and you have to make it. You don't have a choice. If you're going to rejoice, you got to do it now. So I was trying to determine what I could say. And I thought back about when I was in Liberty University. And I thought of a passage in a letter Paul wrote not long after Yeshua had lived 15 or 20 years later to a group of about 150 people in a beautiful booming city called Corinth where a couple of Jewish people he had won, Aquila and Prissa, had built a house church movement the historian Strabo wrote that it was a wealthy city because it was between two harbors. It was full of all kinds of different people, rich people, tradesmen, slaves, slaveholders. And Paul writes this letter to them. The, the church now is as flourishing in gifts as it is in rifts. 
It's got as many divisions as it does people. And Paul writes this letter to them, to this church. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 1, he says these words. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I didn't come here to impress you with what kind of orator I am, how great of a speaker I am. The sun shines best with its own beams. He says in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Notice he says, I determined. I judged it most convenient for me and most profitable for you. Because I was once where you were at, and I want to tell you how it was in my little flat. My wife and I came here with two little kids, moved into a house at 1214 Stratford Road. We had no electricity, no running water, no gas, no refrigerator, but that's all right because we had no food, no car, no way to pay our way through school, no heat, and no electricity, and no telephone. But we had a vision a vision that was in our mind that somehow, some way, by the grace of God, we would fulfill the vision that had been burned into us by Jerry Falwell that the message of the cross needed to be carried, a fresh revelation of it in power to the whole world one more time before Jesus came. And we had made up our minds we were going to do that. And so we moved into this house. I had to get up every morning at 4 o'clock to do my devotions. I had to be at school at my first class by 7. I managed to cram four years into 10. From 7 until 3.30, I would work, and at 3.30, I would get off work, and I would go to work from 4 till midnight, building the first building on Liberty Mountain. The first building. There's a one right over in the corner. There's a rock with a bunch of holes and a bunch of tags on it, where people have tagged that rock. And I would push a broom and carry lumber until midnight. And I would go home and I would take my baby's hand and we would pray together and I would fall into the bed and start over again the next day. Well, something strange happened that I could talk to you about today. I discovered the most powerful force on earth. There was a man you will never know, but you will see him in heaven and oh, what a glow when you see that show, because I want to tell you, he didn't play. That man could pray. His hair wasn't black. It was white. Just a little bit of it, not very curly. His name was R.C. Worley. And that man taught me how to pray. 
And so I knew prayer was so important that you dare not ever stop. You dare not ever give up. So I would go home and I would fall asleep while I was praying. And my wife knew I was falling asleep because I would start slurring my speech and I'd be praying like, Jesus help these people and these people and Jesus. And she'd wake me up and say, go to bed, you prayed and you sleep again. One night I asked her, I said, baby, what was I praying for? She said, well, you prayed for Denise Amato, your brother's wife. You prayed for Norma Jean, your aunt that lives in Bailey Island, Maine. And you prayed for God to help J.O. Reynolds find the wires. She said, who is J.O. Reynolds and what wires is he looking for? I said, well, J.O. Reynolds is the guy that's leading the construction crew that's building the first building on Liberty Mountain. I said, I'll ask him in the morning. And we went to sleep. The next morning, we had devotions. Everything at Liberty had devotions. I mean, we used to have janitors aflame. We stayed down at the Stewart Arms, an old hotel before there was a building on Liberty Mountain. We had cockroaches aflame. We had everything aflame. I mean, we had devotions before we did anything. We used to catch a cockroach and make it pray. <laughs> this is your last chance. Pray now, roach. Straight up. I'm from Detroit. You're a cockroach. Pray. So get this. The next morning we had devotions. Carl Gleason was given the devotions. And as Carl Gleason was given the devotions, he said, today we're going to talk about praying in the spirit. Does anybody know what that is? I said, no, but I know what praying in your sleep is. And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, J.O., last night I fell asleep praying that you would find the wires. Are you looking for any wires? And he looked at me and said, no. And everybody in the room started cracking up and laughing at me. I said, well, let me know when you are. About 5.30 that day, I felt somebody staring at me, so I turned around and I looked. It was J.O., and he said, put your broom down. You can go home for the rest of the day with hay. I said, no, man, I need the money. I got to buy food for my babies. No way, I can't do it. He said, you can go home now. Go on. He said, I found those wires you were talking about. We've called the bomb squad. We've called Falwell. We've called the police. He said, in order to build that building over there, we had to blow solid rock off the top of this mountain. And he said, in order to blow the rock off the top of the mountain, we had to put dynamite deep inside the hole and set off detonator caps. And when those detonator caps touched, the rock blew up. He said, as I was walking around today, I found two of the detonator caps with enough dynamite to blow this building, the first building on Liberty Mountain, off its foundations. He said, you can go home today. You don't have to work. You get paid. And I did find the wires. And my sister-in-law, Denise, died. And so did my aunt, Norma Jean, not much longer. From praying in my sleep. So I could come to you and talk to you about Never, ever, ever, ever give up praying, but that's not what I made up my mind about. That's not what I determined to talk to you about. 
I could come to you today and talk to you about the amazing power of faith. How one night I came home and maybe like you, I was so discouraged, I just wanted to die. I sat down on the porch thinking about those two little babies and that woman inside that house who's now been with me 32 years. That's right, clap for God. You can give God applause. You can clap for my wife. She's crazier than I am. Let me clue you in on something too right now, guys. The reason I've been married 32 years is I have learned how to obey. Neuroscience has now proven women use 15% of their brain at the same time. Men only use 10. So you got two choices with you got a woman. You can be right or you can be happy. I have chosen happiness. Now I'll tell you something about our wonderful chancellor and president who is the chairman of the board of Rick Amato Ministries. I want to tell you something. He really is smart and he really is a genius and I know he's a genius and he is the most spiritually timed person I have ever met in my life. However, the real secret behind Mr. Jerry is Ms. Becky. And the truth is, guys, listen to me. The truth is, guys, this little girl stayed with me for 32 years because she had faith in Jesus. And I could tell you about the power of faith. How one night I went home and I realized I wasn't doing right by my family and I sat down on the porch and I cried out to God and I said, God, I just want to die. I'm, I got to pay my school bill tomorrow and I don't have the money to pay it. I don't have any food. I don't have a telephone. I don't have a car. I don't have a refrigerator. I don't have a telephone if my wife got in trouble. We don't even have any heat. It's October and it's getting cold. And so help me. You may believe, you may not. But remember, just because something isn't true to your experience doesn't mean it isn't true. For the first time in my life, I felt the manifest presence of God. A nuance, a feeling, a feeling, an association. I don't care what you call it. I knew two things. There was a God and it wasn't me. And that I had to trust and obey. So the next morning I went up and I went down to God's two-by-four. Still beats me over the head today, Evelyn Tomlin's office at the Financial Affairs. I got to give Evelyn a shout-out. Without her, I would have never made it. I still got dents in my head. You never met Evelyn? Go up there and meet her today. It'd be worth it. If you live, it'd be worth it. Sweetest, hardest woman I ever met in my life. I didn't say sweetest heart. I said sweetest, hardest woman. She's probably the one that kept Dr. Falwell from giving the university away. So I went up there to tell her I couldn't pay my bill. And I said, Miss Tomlin... She said, Rick Amato, you here again? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I'm here to tell you I got to drop out of school. I can't pay my school bill. She said, you didn't get my message? I said, what message? She said, your bill's been paid in full for the next four years. Dr. Falwell sent a note through school, through the, through the mail, said pay Rick Amato's books, scholarships, everything he needs. So I took that little note and I said, oh, thank you so much. I put it in my pocket, 
And as soon as God, I got out of the door, I went, Hallelujah! Yes! I'm going to school in Liberty! I couldn't wait to run home to get home to my wife. Some kid stopped me in the hall. His name was Jim Ham. He shook my hand. He said, God told me to give you this last night. I opened it. It was a check for $50. I said, $5 is my tithe. Some of you people think you, you can't tithe because you don't have money. You don't have money because you don't tithe. Let me tell you something. I don't got time to tell you about it today. But when God found me, my little brother got shot in the head. My older brother, I saw the railroad tracks across his back as it broke his fourth and fifth vertebrae. His hand was chopped off. I looked down and saw my bowel and my bladder. I was sliced in half, $150,000 in debt, evicted from my home on welfare. That was over $30 million ago. Yeah, if you give, it will be given unto you. I could talk to you about that miracle, but I gave that $5 tithe and I went to the grocery store and I said, wow, Bethy likes cantaloupe and Daddy does too. And I took some cantaloupe and I said, man, Bethy likes raisins and Daddy does too. And I got some raisins and the bill came to $44.99. Had a penny left. I went home. My wife said, hey, your brother sent a check for $50 today, minus the $5 tithe. That's the $45 down payment we need to get the electricity on. And I looked, and before I could start shouting, there was a phone on the wall. I said, how'd you get that phone on the wall? She said, I'll tell you what happened. The phone guy came here, and he said, I'm here to put your phone in. She said, I said, what did you tell him? She said, I didn't take it. I didn't order it, but we'll take it. They put the phone on the wall. I said, does it work? She said, try it. I lifted it up. It worked. We had a phone. Next thing I knew, I looked around. There was a refrigerator there. I said, where did the refrigerator come from? Before she could answer me, a knock came on the door. I opened the door. It was a guy from the Lynchburg Gas Company. He said, I'm here to turn your gas on. I said, well, glory. Come on in, man. I've been expecting you. And I can tell you story after story after story. As I rode into town, I thought about faith and how it's forged in the fire and how it grows in the dark. But I decided not to talk to you about that. In fact, I determined that everything I ever counted as gain to me means nothing. I determined to know nothing here today, to believe nothing here today, to approve of nothing, to make known nothing, to preach nothing, to pour forth my life into nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because in the final analysis, whether you are allowed to testify because you win gold medals, whether you arise from this institution to become the President of the United States, we, in essence, are no different than the Apostle Paul. He was so freaked out and taken up with Jesus and the glory and the deity of his person, but he was also enamored with not just Jesus, but Jesus and him crucified. 
so that Jesus and his cross becomes the sum of the gospel, the heart of Liberty University, the object of all of its institutions, and the symbol above its founder's final resting place of this corporal form. You say, Rick, why would the cross mean so much to you? Well, let me explain. Number one, God is holy. You don't hear much about that anymore, but let me explain. In his presence, there are two extraterrestrial beings. And they have six wings. Now, God is not illogical. He knows how to make a bird fly. And he only gives them two wings because that's all they need to fly. The other four wings they have are to protect themselves. Get this. There are 200 billion known galaxies we have now discovered by the Hubble telescope of which our galaxies do not even fit on the map. Every second I have been speaking to you, a star with planets in orbit is being born. And they are all orbiting in perfect synchronicity at 186,300 miles per second hurtling through the universe at the speed of light, never diverting more than a nanosecond. And he's doing that every second I'm talking. That, my friend, is power. Such power that they have to have those four wings to protect themselves because if one piercing, penetrating ray of God's holiness were to touch them, they would evaporate. But God is also love. He's holy, but he's also love. And he loves all of his creation. Like a river of pristine water flows down a waterfall. That's how God's love is. It just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. And the greatest message that could ever be spoken from this pulpit is not some geopolitical message from Washington or Moscow or Beijing or, or Tehran. The greatest message that could ever be spoken from this pulpit is not some philosophical message from Athens or Greece or from Jerusalem. The greatest thing that could ever be said from this pulpit and let it ever be so is this. Of all the messages that shine down through history, through thousands of years, let it be known, I stood here today and determined to know nothing but this. Listen to me. Christ died on the cross for you with nails through his hands and his feet, with a crown of thorns in his head and a spear in his side. He smoothed the frown of God's justice and he wiped the tears of God's mercy so that if you place your faith in his shed blood, there's no more shame, no more fear, no more guilt, and no more blame. No guilt, no shame, no fear, no blame. You're perfect in his sight. Hallelujah for the cross. What a savior Yeshua is. If you're going to clap, Clap with a roar! Yeshua! That's Yeshua! I want to say something to you. 
I don't know who you are or where you came from. I hope that you understand this. I hope that you didn't come to Liberty University and say, now I'm going to go live Liberty because I asked Jesus in my heart. Well, let me tell you something. If you ask Jesus in your heart, that's a good first step, but that's not going to save you. Because number one, Jesus will not fit in your heart. Jesus has a corporal form. This same Jesus, the Yeshua that walked the earth here, will, the Bible says, return to the earth. The only power and presence of Yeshua in the earth today is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into your heart when? When you realize that all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. All of us need to be made right with God by His grace, which is given as a free gift. We are made free from sin through Jesus Christ. And God gave Jesus as a way to forgive sin through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 22 through 25. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Christ we are set free by the blood of His cross. What does that mean? I don't know what you're struggling with. I know there is a lot of addiction in the world today. Maybe you're addicted to alcohol, prescription drugs, street dope. Maybe you might have smoked a blunt before you came to chapel for convo. I ain't saying it's right, but I understand. People get addicted to things. You understand? Maybe you're stricken with panic attacks. Fear that group sang about. I wish they were around when I was on VH1. I'd have put those guys on VH1. They belong on VH1. I'd like to see them get on VH1. They'd have been around and paid me enough. I'd have put them on VH1 when I was on VH1. But I stand here today and I tell you, if you're stricken with fear and panic attacks, it's the same way with depression. People stricken with depression. Let me tell you something. When they drove those spike nails through the two bones that joined his hand to his wrist, when the first effusion of blood dropped out of him and soaked in the dust of Golgotha in that moment there was enough power to set you free when you understand how to exchange your life for his when you learn that all pain comes from desire and there is only one true desire and that true desire is to be one with Christ and each other if we became inseparable as a body and honest, we would be invincible. But dishonest and divided, we remain defeated. God made peace through the blood of Christ's death on the cross, Colossians 1.20. What am I here for? I determined. It's not that I don't know anything else. I know a lot of stuff. I made up my mind 
Not to know anything among you, Liberty University, the greatest university on earth, with the greatest professors on earth, with the greatest students on earth. That's right, that's you. But the greatest is my son, Joe Amato. I got to give him a shout out. And my television producer, Warren Marcus, Joey Marcus, I got to give you a shout out. Now I got to give everybody a shout out. So I want to tell you, you are the hope of the world. You are the light of the world. This city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And write it down that 32 years after I came here in a, in a truck with only the possessions I own fitting in the back of it and the truck leaving me alone in that empty house, let it be known 32 years later, the dream lives on. We will shake this world for the cross of Jesus Christ. For the cross of Yeshua, we will shake this world. I thank God, Johnny, for your work all over as you lead these young people. And I thank God for your humility and your love. But I challenge all of you to do two things this morning. Number one, make absolutely certain that your trust that you are a Christ follower is not based on that you ask Jesus into your heart or you are performing some work for him. Make sure that your faith that you are a Christ follower is based on this. Not a preliminary work of reformation and then you believed or you became a good person, then you believed. Or a subsequent work of reformation, you believed and then you became a good work. No. No, no. Faith in his blood alone ought to be your hope for heaven. And if it's not, in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to make it your hope. The second challenge is this. What this world needs more than it needs anything else is however you rise. And in whichever direction God, as an arrow, takes you in his quiver at Liberty University and fires you out into the world. Make this commitment in your life. Oh, Yeshua, however high you lift me, I will lift the cross higher still. Because I have determined in my life on this day know nothing except Yeshua and him crucified and the choice he made in the garden of Gethsemane is he bowed his head and the Bible says he said oh daddy daddy please don't make me do this if there is any other way please daddy not this. The Bible says great sweat drops of blood came and fell to the ground and that happened when we sent our men into outer space for the first time. It does happen under great external pressure. Tiny corpuscles of blood will burst. And they burst because he was making a choice. And I'm telling you, oh beloved, that's all life is. Is a series of choices. 
That's all the rest of this semester is going to be is a series of choices. And I wish I could tell you right now, oh, just get fired up about Yeshua's love for you. Just get, just get psyched up about the cross for you. Just get psyched up about a gold medal winner who has a bunch of kids at home that's still going out preaching Jesus. Just get psyched up about evangelists. Just get psyched up about Johnny coming back from India. And that'll get you through the rest of the semester. Make one choice and you're going to make it. I can't tell you that. You have to make 3,000 choices to get through the rest of the semester. Whether to push snooze or get up. Whether to cheat or do it yourself. All life is is a series of choices. And it was the same for Yeshua. And as he sweat blood, here was his choice. Use his power. That he had used to raise the dead and walk on water and make blind people see and mute people speak and deaf people hear and lame people walk and save himself. Or go to Calvary and be butchered like a lamb and save you. Well, bless his holy name. He chose you. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I don't want anybody disturbing this service. I know what time it is. All I want to do is ask you, have you placed your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and that alone to save you? Are you sure you're saved? Dad Falwell said it best. There's only two kind of people in this world, saved people and lost people. If you are here this morning and you're not sure you're saved, just pray this prayer right now. Say it out loud right now. If you're not sure you're saved, just say, Lord Jesus. Say it. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for me on the cross. I know I'm a sinner. I put my faith in your blood. Wash me in your blood. Wash away my sin. Now say this out loud. If you're not sure you're safe, say, I believe you rose from the dead. Send your spirit to live in my body. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it. Say, Jesus Christ is Lord. If you just prayed that prayer just now with me, I want you to tell somebody, go to the people in your dormitory or the spiritual advisor or one of your professors of theology, tell somebody, tell your friend in the room, maybe in prayer meetings, Tell the guys in your prayer meeting, say, you know, I was mixed up, but I got it straight now. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And for those of you that are saved, I want you to know this. 32 years ago, I came down here. And the vision of Jerry and Mesa Falwell was burned into my heart. 
and God gifted me with the friendship of Jerry Falwell Jr. and then later Becky and then later many, many others. And I've made many mistakes. I've hurt others. I've hurt myself. I've hurt the kingdom. But I have not and I will not cease to preach. If you have been washed in the blood of Jesus, there is no guilt, no shame, no fear, no blame. Just lessons to be learned, that's all. You're free. You can walk free. If you can dream something, you can achieve it. If you can imagine it, you can become it. When I was here in Lynchburg, they used to say, what are you going to do with your ministry? I'd say, I'm going to go to Russia. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go preach to Brezhnev. I'm going to go get, let those Russians go free. And they'd say, y- you should have quit drugs earlier, model. I want to tell you, no matter what your dream is, as we enter this final push, just remember, no matter how difficult it becomes, Remember Calvary. Remember the cross. And he'll take that burden off your shoulders. And he will lighten it for you. I don't know what you've determined to know. But I have determined to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. Thank you.